Hello, my name is John Calvin, and I am a 16th century reformer. By reformer, I mean that I observed many things within the Roman Catholic Church that I found contrary to the Bible and sought to reform the church. By reform, however, I do not mean that I think the Catholic Church can be corrected. Rather, I feel as though there is so much wrong and twisted, the true church of Jesus Christ must be reformed entirely and separate from the Catholic Church. Allow me to tell you a little bit about my background. I was born in the city of Noyon in France on July 10th, 1509. And because my father had some ties with some wealthy families in our region, they paid for me to go to school. And even though I didn't come from a wealthy family, I was blessed with intelligence and worked really hard at school and studied all kinds of things like Latin, grammar, rhetoric, logic, arithmetic, geometry, astronomy, and music. I did all these things in preparation for college. Though school was very rigorous and tough, I learned discipline that stayed with me throughout my entire life. After this time at school, I transferred to another school and prepared to study theology at the university. My father, however, wanted me to study law instead, so I consented and moved schools again to study law. I finally finished with my law degree and was able to practice. During my time as a law student, I also taught myself Greek, and I began getting to know people and read books by authors who thought that the Catholic Church was filled with errors and problems. And finally, in 1533, God, by a sudden conversion, subdued and brought my mind to a teachable frame, which was more hardened in such matters than might have been expected from one at my early period of life. Having thus received some taste and knowledge of true godliness, I was immediately inflamed with so intense a desire to learn more about God and His Word. Before, I was a staunch Catholic, but once I truly understood the gospel of grace, I began to see that what the Catholic Church taught was very different from what I read in the Bible. After this, I stayed in various places outside of France for three years, where I began work on perhaps one of my most famous books. You might have heard of it, The Institutes of the Christian Religion. In this book, I sought to sum up, in almost its entirety, the doctrines of true godliness. After this period, I was planning to permanently leave my home country, as many evangelicals in the country were being persecuted. I planned to go to Strasbourg, which is in modern-day Germany. But war had broken out between the King of France and the King of the Holy Roman Empire, which meant that I had to take a detour through Geneva, Switzerland. I wasn't planning on staying, but one of the pastors there, by the name of William Farrell, pronounced a curse on me and my studies if I did not help him labor there in the gospel. Then, it was as if God had laid his mighty hand down from heaven to arrest me. And needless to say, I stayed in Geneva. While I was in Geneva and under the influence of my friend William Farrell, I was very bold, untrained, and really unwise in knowing how to navigate human relations. I was placed into many complex political situations and acted more as an inflexible bull than the government of Geneva could take. Thus I, along with my friend Pharrell, were exiled from the city after just two years of living there. But God, in His sovereign mercy, was wise and gracious in this act also. For during my departure from Geneva, I lived in the very city I had sought out those many years before, Strasbourg. While there, I came under the discipleship 
of a man by the name of Martin Bootser, from whom I learned so much. While working as a pastor at a church for French refugees, I learned and grew so much as a minister of the gospel and as a man. It was during this time that I also met and married my wonderful wife, Idolette. These happy years, however, came to an end when in 1541 I was summoned back to Geneva by the same city council that had once exiled me just three years prior to help lead the church there. I picked up in the very spot I left off preaching those three years ago. During these years at Geneva, I labored tirelessly to see the gospel take root and grow. I also wrote several editions of my book, The Institutes of the Christian Religion. Along with this, I was taken up with preaching and teaching and keeping up correspondence with various ministers and dignitaries throughout Europe. In 1559, I even established the Geneva Academy, where students were trained for the ministry, which the Scottish reformer John Knox called the most perfect school of Christ seen on earth since the days of the apostles. All this work, however, left me with many physical problems, such as lung trouble, gout, and excruciating pain in my kidneys and bladder, and ultimately to my death in 1564 at the age of 54. And indeed, it could be said that I worked myself to death. But I do not count any trouble I endured in my life as a minister of the gospel as something about which I can boast. I was just a man possessed by the love of God as displayed in the gospel of Christ and committed to knowing Him and making Him known. There were many other things that I did during my life that I have not recounted here, but I hope this gives you a better understanding of who I was and my place in history. Some people found me to be a little bit egocentric or snobbish, while others found me to be a true example of godliness. Indeed, one of my closest friends and successor to my ministry in Geneva said of me that I was the greatest light there was in this world for the direction of the Church of God. I, like all human beings, was complex and imperfect and along with Paul see myself as the chief of sinners. My life, moreover, was not free of controversy. Though I had many friends, I also had some enemies. I was oftentimes in conflict with the Genevan rulers over issues of church control. For example, I believe that the leaders of the church should decide who gets excommunicated from the church rather than this being decided by the civil magistrates. I was also attacked by some for my teaching on the doctrine of predestination. Moreover, I was sometimes at odds with my fellow reformers over such doctrines as the Lord's Supper and church discipline. Indeed, if you Google the name Michael Servetus, you will learn of my involvement in a very controversial matter which still provokes questions even among my most avid supporters. Through all my weakness, however, I truly endeavor to be a faithful servant and minister of Christ in His church. For you see, we exist to glorify God, and however imperfectly, this is the task for which I gave my life. As it regards my legacy, I wish not to speak of myself in any great length. In fact, I think I'm going to take on a much humbler form. There, that's better. After all, when I died, I desired that my grave be unmarked so that people would not pay homage to me but to God alone. But as it is customary to discuss such things when it comes to a biography, I will just say that through my efforts, the evangelical faith took root in Geneva, ministers were trained, and most importantly, the gospel of Jesus Christ advanced through me. 
Some people wonder why my name continues to surface after almost 500 years of my departure from this earth. Many people have concluded that it was my writing that has given me such staying power through the ages. Some have said that my writing is so clear, penetrating, and organized that the eternal truths contained therein are more easily understood and celebrated. But this is all I will say on this matter. Until next time, thanks for being here and Soli Deo Gloria.